Welcome back to the Ben and Brand See a Movie Podcasts, where we know the difference between the play button and the record button. Um, we're back with episode two, or part two of what we're calling The Rage Cage. Rage Cage. Where we're talking two Nicolas Cage movies every week for five for weeks. Five weeks. Five weeks. And I What does tell- it cumul- cumulate in, Branson? Uh, we're, it's going to be a bit, we're calling it the cage match. Um, and we're going to be hitting cage off the cage off. Cage off. Uh, and we're going to be pitting every single Nicolas Cage character in a giant bracket. Uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Ben and I are working out the logistics yes. of it. Clarify, we're we're putting everyone in the films that we've been watching on the yes, back, and then yes. a few will be added. We're not doing every Nick Cage. It, film. it would be like an hour longer yeah. than we would like it to be. But uh, just drop my pencil. That's okay. We're very professional here. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but I we're definitely getting into I think the headspace of Nicolas Cage. I've gone crazy, Benson. and yeah, I. Two I've, weeks into the Nick Cage, and I've like lost all sense of reality. Right, I, it's I'm starting to get like fever dreams almost, where it's just like, all I can see is Cage's face. All I do right is shake there. now. When I'm yeah. not on air, I just like sit there and I just <laughs> very similar to one of the. Uh, actually, kind of similar to both the roles he plays in this. Film yeah, today. yeah, he does a lot of, of shaking. Yeah, he does. He does do a lot of shaking. It's brought on by two very different substances, um, but. Not that different. Anyway, this week uh, we are talking about Bad Lieutenant and Leaving Las Vegas. Actually, I, I uh, misrepresented the movie there. Yeah, it's, it's Bad, Bad Lieutenant, Lieutenant, colon, Port of Call, New Orleans. Yes, Bad which, Lieutenant is a film uh, by 1992, 1992 I believe. with Harvey Keitel. This is not a direct spinoff, but it does have some – it's not a re- directly related, but there are definitely some ideas shared Right. In these. But sort of like CSI and CSY or CSI New York. Sure, I'll believe that reference. (laughs) Isn't it CSI Miami? Maybe. There's got to be a New York one. There's probably something. But yeah, so they're they're a little different, but they do have some of the same inspiration. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yes, those are the two films we're talking about. And why did. Cage plays a strung out. I think yeah. I predicted your question. Yeah, Nicholas that's what Cage, I was going to ask. Why are we talking about these two films together? Because in both films, he plays a strung out lunatic uh, who is like barely hanging on. Yes. In both films, these characters are dealing with addictions. Yes. And dealing's the wrong word. They live with addiction. They right. both are characters that are refusing right. to get help they're in kind their of, addiction. They're kind of thriving. Well, once I would say once thriving ones wallowing in it yeah yeah they're uh, they both kind of they, are. Kind of, they both kind of wallow and they both kind of thrive in it in weird ways yeah it's it, these are very different portrayals of the typical alcoholic drug addicted person. yeah we don't see this type of portrayal in a drama i should say mm-hmm. usually you would see these more in what you feel like are action films where they're the big over-the-top villains. Right. Something like a Scarface mm-hmm. uh, is very similar to definitely yeah, the role there he plays no, in Bad Lieutenant. Yeah, there are no mountains of cocaine yeah. in this movie. But There's this one, little it's, grains. Yes, it's very disgusting and dirty. We're, like, we're in the ground with this char- oh, with these characters. Uh, yeah, and absolutely. And Yeah. And that's why, that's why I say they're both two very different portrayals of addiction that we've seen in mainstream where i feel like mainstream it's, it does have that dirty grime to it but usually there's this sense of like 
sorrow or misery attached with these characters, which leaving Las Vegas definitely has elements of. Yeah. Bad Lieutenant really doesn't. In this case, these movies are kind of showcasing. Uh, one's the, more glorified and one's a lot more real, yeah. I would say. And I'm trying to think how I like want to say it because it's not that these films are glorifying. In fact, neither of these films glorify drugs in any way, but it is more of it's just showcasing a different thing where it's these characters truly don't want help. Yeah, and that's the thing with movies that usually deal with drug addiction. Definitely ones that are award nominated like Leaving Las Vegas is. It's usually the story of a man trying to get clean and rising from zero. This film, we see them essentially hit rock bottom and, and thrive in rock bottom. Right. It's yeah. kind of what the premise is of both of these films. Those shared themes is they're in rock bottom and they don't care to get out. Yes, exactly. Shall we shall we get into our film historian here? Yeah, let's get into it. All and right. I'll go first because I'm the first. My film comes out first. All right. Fair it enough. Is Leaving Las Vegas is the film that I'm specifically talking about. And it is a 1995, sorry, 1995 American drama written by Mike Figgis, who also uh, directed it. It is based on the autobiographical novel of John O'Brien, who was also a writer who ended up dying two weeks into this film's production. And it stars Nicolas Cage as a suicidal alcoholics Hollywood screenwriter. What's his name? Uh, that is a great question. His, His name, name is, is Ben. Oh, that's right. It's Ben Sanderson. <laughs> yeah, I think for the sake of the integrity of this podcast and for your sake, Ben, let's refer to Nicholas Cage's Ben as Benjamin or Sanderson. Let's do Sanderson because Benjamin's also his character's name in uh, National Treasure. Benjamin oh, yeah, James. I guess. So yeah, you're right. <laughs> Sanderson it is. But so he stars as suicidal alcoholic. Uh, L.A. screenwriter who gets fired for his alcoholism and decides to go to Las Vegas and drink himself to death. None of those apply to our Ben. Yeah, none of them apply to me. And with that, he meets a prostitute played by Elizabeth Shue, who he develops a romantic relationship. And it's these Shues kind of going through life and in this really messed up, shocking, horrifying way, they kind of find peace in existence in each other's arms and the accepting accepting of each other's, I guess, sins, you mm-hmm. could call it. And this film comes out in 1995, very critically acclaimed. Uh, Nicholas Cage has just received so much phenomenon and attention for this movie. He received the Golden Globe Award for Best Actor in a Drama. He received the Academy Award for Best Actor, marking his first and only win for that award. And Shu is nominated for Best Actress and Best Actress at the uh, Academy Awards. Let me clarify that. She's nominated for both the Golden Globes and Academy Awards. Doesn't win either. And film also receives nominations for Adapted Screenplay and Best Picture. It is a film that had a $4 million budget and made about $50 million. So did quite well. Very critically obtained. Again, this is very notable in Nick Cage's career because this is the film that won the man the award and really showcased like what this guy was capable of because before 1995 it's not that he wasn't a very well-respected or prolific yeah but he was still kind of in that drama comedy uh coen brothers feel this was i feel like what not only made him like stand out as a prolific actor but also made him stand out as like wow this guy can do range like yeah this, this guy doesn't just have to be in like 
action adventure comedies right and he doesn't Coen have to, and he doesn't always have to be screaming and he doesn't have to rely on kind of that wit humor of like yeah. the coen brothers or that eccentric in this film he can completely hold as his own purely based on dramatic chops mm-hmm. so that's leaving las vegas in a nutshell all right and then uh the movie that i will introduce to you is bad lieutenant colon port of call new orleans uh which is a mouthful of a title i'm just gonna get this right off the bat Stupid, stupid name for a movie. I hate it. Yeah, Bad Lieutenant's a better name for a movie. Yeah, Bad... Like, it was taken. It was, yeah, it was already taken. Bad Lieutenant New Orleans would have been fine. Yeah, That's what I call the film. Bad Bad Lieutenant New Orleans. Port of Call New Orleans is like a train wreck coming out of your mouth. It's not easy. I always forget the title of the film (laughs) just because of that. So, anyway, uh, Bad Lieutenant Pockno uh, is a 2009 American crime drama film directed by Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog, the famous, uh, I believe he's a German actor-director who most recently appeared as the client in In Star Wars Mandalorian Season 1. Yes. And it's really interesting because with his career, he's not known for his uh, American films. He's very much an international actor who has made really random appearances in American pop culture. I mean, yeah, I would say so. He's in par- Parks and Recreation, I believe. Really? He has like a character role in Parks and Recreation. He's in. <laughs> I can't. Uh, I can't envision him. I can't envision him. I'm trying him to remember who he is, but keep going. And I'll- yeah. Anyway, um, so Bad Lieutenant Port of Call, New Orleans. Oh, gotta take a deep breath. Uh, stars Nicolas Cage um, as the main character, which is Terrence. Um, There's the picture of him in Parks and Rec. It's there he is. Uh, I can confirm that is a picture of yeah, Werner Herzog in Parks and Rec. Uh, it also stars Eva Mendez as Nicolas Cage's um, prostitute girlfriend. Man, there he is again with a prostitute. Yeah. Uh, Same year. By the way, she's in Ghost Rider with him the same year. Oh, yeah. She's the love interest in Ghost Rider. Uh, so this movie f- stars Nicolas Cage, Eva Mendez, Tom Bauer, Jennifer Coolidge, uh, Exhibit, <laughs> the the hip-hop artist, uh, Val Kilmer, and Brad Dorif. Uh, even though, as we mentioned, this film shares a very similar title to the 1992 Bad Lieutenant, uh Werner Herzog has come out and said that this is not a sequel or a remake. Um, it's there's only a, it's just a commonality, quote unquote. It is a commonality of a corrupt policeman as a central character. And let me tell you, with any other director or Hollywood guy, I would not believe it. But Werner Herzog, I truly believe if he tells me he hasn't seen a film about a bad cop and it's an American film doesn't shock me at all and right. he doesn't seem like the guy who just goes out and sees movies he i feel like he's very selective yeah and it's not like he's he, he doesn't seem like one of these guys in the know for me like yeah. he has his very specific things that he watches and very everything like art else house is, yeah. he kind of gives me an or art house even, vibe i'm sure i think he's actually a fairly big comedy fan so oh. he like watches all like right. he has his wheelhouse of films that he enjoys watching uh-huh. and i'm sure everything else is not in on yeah. his radar yeah. So uh, when he says that quote, I genuinely believe. I believe him, him too. I believe that he had no clue, idea for this Harvey Keitel movie. <laughs> um, so this movie uh, had a budget of twenty five million, but in the box office it made ten point six million. Oh, so this that's is what flop. we call a bomb. Yeah, that's a flop for Cage. That is that's a round about a fifteen million dollar loss. But luckily, it's critically acclaimed, isn't it? Technically, on Rotten Tomatoes, the 
the critic score is like 86, I think, but the audience score is 57. Yes. So and, take that as you will. And that's that interesting thing, because when you see the trailer to this movie, I don't know if you watched the trailer. For this I don't movie, think so. It very much portrays this as an over the top police adventure film with Nick Cage where he's taking drugs. Right. Like at times, like I said, I talked about Scarface earlier. It almost feels like that, but as a cop. Where this film is not actually that at all. It is a very serious drama yeah. and look into the policing in specifically in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. Right. But it's it, not the it's not the kind of um it's not the kind of action cop movie that the trailer would be accompanied by like dun 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 Yeah, it's not this big loud explosions. Yeah, like it's not canon in him chasing down crooks and all this. It very much is a look into police corruption, policing in uh, colored neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's after Hurricane Katrina, yeah. so this is in Louisiana. Yeah. Uh, the what's it called? The irony of policing and like the stuff that they're arresting people for yeah. versus the fact that police also have a really high percentage of drug and alcohol abuse in the force. Right. Like that's just one of those stats that you read. So it's, it's dealing with a lot of that. It's dealing with issues in policing, issues uh, between races and poverty and just all that kind of in New Orleans. And specifically, you have to remember this film's 2007. Hurricane Katrina happens in 2005, I believe, is the year. Yes. I think that's right. And notorious for obviously the amount of destruction and loss that that city felt, but also very much notorious for how George Bush handled that uh disaster mm-hmm. and you some know, of you might recall that clip kanye. of uh, kanye that's what i was actually about to quote like there's this like very notorious idea around the time that really hurt bushes in his second term of his administration that like ended his like true popularity he of course had the iraq war but new orleans how he handled katrina just plummeted and really hurt the republicans in 2008 going into mm-hmm. presidential things and the reason that's important is because you see this idea of the clip that you're talking about with Kanye is it's the very famous one where he's up there with Mike Myers and they're talking about uh, and when you make care. Mike Myers do a double take yeah and he's you know talking, you've said something very uh, interesting the uh, Katrina aftermath and Kanye West just goes up there and says George Bush hates black people yeah and at the time so it's, George Bush doesn't care about black people yeah, yeah George Bush doesn't care about black people at the time of course it's shocking. In retrospect, I'm not saying George Bush doesn't care about black people, but there is this history that you see of politicians ignoring communities like uh, the ones in New Orleans. And you see the suffering that they had to deal with even more. Right. Yeah. It's reflected in that whole idea of, you know, law, like the branches you know, having some sort of level of corruption. Yeah. To it. It, like it deals with these things And this film. Isn't explicitly about racism, mm-hmm. but it certainly touches on. Ideas yeah. It's certainly that, an undertone like, there. It's there. And let's just get into that. Cause that's the hill to die on. Not necessarily the hill to die on, but I think that leads for me, my hill to die on for this is specifically for bad Lieutenant. For, remember for me, I kind of combined them. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. Go ahead. So for me, what I'm saying, like this theme that I see in both films is both films, again, deal with these this these characters hitting rock bottom and thriving in it. 
But what's interesting about it, they're telling stories of America and Americans, and you see why Americans result uh, to drugs, alcohol, prostitution, what these circumstances are there that influence that, and how American pop culture and society can at times help it, like Mm -hmm. influence that. And you see these two characters breaking laws, getting away with crap that other people can't. And one of the things that you have to remember that's very important is that's an undertone that I think is really there, even if it's not explicitly stated. Both of these characters, we have to remember, are people of privilege to some extent. In uh, Bad Lieutenant, he's a police officer, so he very much feels like he's above the law. Right. He's a lieutenant. Yeah. And in uh, Leaving Las Vegas... He is a Hollywood screenwriter, so he has all the money in the world and all the connections to kind of just kill himself with alcohol right. and get away with his actions yeah. without any consequences. It, yeah, he's, and he's totally ambivalent yeah, about he's, it. He's in uh, Las Vegas for about over six weeks, breaking every, every every law, drinking and driving. Oh, my gosh. Like everything, and he gets away with it all, and it's because he has money, and money speaks in Vegas. Yeah. So – I think what these two films do is you see a lot about Americans, you see about corruptness, you see what drives people to do this. And what's also interesting is with the women in these films, you see specifically more with Elizabeth Shue's character from Leaving Las mm-hmm. Vegas. You see with, wait, with, Leaving with what? Las Vegas? What did I say? <laughs> yeah. Did I kind of just slur I th- it all? I think, yeah, I think. Did I kind of go Nick Cage? Like Nick, Nick Cage kind of drooling yeah. like half asleep. But Sorry to make fun with, of no, you. With both of these characters, I think you see this thing where it's – you see why they would turn to these lives and kind of the damage and harm that they have in their own lives that would lead them – to accept this behavior from men. Yeah, you get you get like those little hints here and there of, you know, the what what has kind of led up and what what situations they face, you know, in their current situation. Yeah. Or in their current, you know, stage of life. So you get like those little peaks in there. Yeah, but, but so that's kind yeah, of my Yeah, I've I <laughs> I my hills to die on for these movies are are much more like the Rotten Tomatoes kinds oh. of blurbs where it's like the audience consensus. So I'll I'll share Bad Lieutenant first because I feel like I'm going to talk about Bad Lieutenant a lot more. Um, this film, Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans, is hapless, meandering, and undeserving of its redemption for Cage's entertaining but unsatisfyingly written and insane character. Really? Okay. We're on really two opposite sides of these movies. This, I think I wrote quite a few times something about how long is this movie. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. But okay, let's go on your Leaving Las Vegas one. Yes. Because I'm curious about that one. Leaving Las Vegas. um, Leaving Las Vegas is hard to watch, but not because of incompetence, but heaviness. You texted me. Uh, before I think I texted you Saturday. Yeah, you texted me before I watched Leaving Las Vegas, and you were like, "Be, be aware, this yeah, be film aware." Is like, not for the faint of heart. Yeah, this and is going to be a rough film. To yeah, watch. you are you're following a guy literally drinking himself to death. Yeah, and if you've seen this movie, if you haven't seen this movie, spoiler alert. Yeah, we're full spoiling yeah. this movie. Unlike last week, I feel like both these films have a very not not knowledge of it, 
But with adaptation, there's certain things that happen yes. that are a little bit more out there and shocking. Mm-hmm. These films, if we, you're, we're talking about them, there are some ideas of what's going to happen in these films that right. are probably, yeah. probably you know, right on. Yeah, you're just kind of counting down the yeah. seconds to certain things. He he does drink himself to death. death. And in the other film, he is corrupt and gets away with it. Because yes. his character has to get away with it because of who that character and what that film talks about. Yes. And I'm, I'm going to talk a lot about that as well. Yeah. Um, so anyway, leaving Las Vegas, uh, hard to watch uh, because of the heavy heaviness of it. It's a story that's as sporadic as the alcoholism uh, that plagues both Cage and Shoes, troubled, broken, but sympathetic characters. Yes. And it plagues them in different ways. For Cage, it plagues him almost passively or it, it plagues him directly, but it also indirectly is hurting Elizabeth Shue's character, yeah. uh, Sarah. And um, yeah, should, should we start with talking about leaving Las Vegas a little bit? Yeah, I thought it was Let's actually the film I was going to start with because that was the first film of these two that I watched this week. Let's do it. What I really like about leaving Las Vegas is there's ex- this acceptance by the director and the writers of these two characters. Mm-hmm. It's like you're not for their actions, but it doesn't necessarily criticize their actions. It just accepts what it is. And we're just watching these two characters kind of go through yeah. emotions. Like it's not this one where it's just like, oh, this guy's drinking himself to death and like bad shame, shame. Like it's mm-hmm. not this film that shames these two characters. Now, of course, does that mean it glorifies these two characters? In no means does it glorify no. these two characters. But it just it's real because it feels real. Yeah. Because it just these are these true characters. These are their lives. This is how they intertwine. It very much lets the viewer interpret what they're seeing and make their own yeah. sort of things. Like for me, for instance, um, especially in the first uh, the first 15 minutes of the film before the 17 minutes in is when we get the title card. So that first 17 minutes, which is a long time for a title card to it show is. up. So for that first 17 minutes... It's really tough to watch because he is just this cringy drunk and you don't really know sort of the nuance to. Yeah, it's the, you kind of just have this surface level like, OK, this guy's ruining his life and he doesn't care and yeah. he's ruining the lives of people around him and the, he has no desire to change it. So yeah. it's like, what am I supposed to feel? Um, that introduction to the movie, which I wrote down, was about – it's another great introduction to this character played by Nicolas Cage where he's in a grocery store filling up his cart with alcohol with a huge smile on yes. his face. And you know from this moment, like when the film hits, what this film's going to be talking about. And, and what his also, character is. Where his character is and what's going to happen to this character. Yeah. You know when you see that first scene, you know this doesn't get better. Right. And that's what's really impressive about – uh, this introduction. There's is, a really good subversion with that too. He it looks like he's as he's put he's put in like six bottles of like full bottles of spirits, yeah. like heavy alcohol in his cart, and it looks like he's about to grab a gallon of water, and then he just passes right by the gallon of water and grabs another bottle of liquor. Yeah, which, which is a very good subversion, and it sets up his character. It sets up his character so well, also because in the film. We see him drinking all the time. We never see him drink water and we never see him eat. Yeah. Like it's a pretty shocking The only thing. time he eats is when he puts an ice cube in his mouth. Yeah. That is the only food or anything that isn't alcohol that goes into his mouth. Uh, 
And it's really shocking because, again, it just sets up who this character is, what he's going through, and just, like, how bad his alcoholism is. Mm -hmm. Like, it is truly – again, we know at the beginning the story doesn't end well because we know if he's living this type of life, there's only a certain amount you can do this before your body eventually just shuts down. Right. And it's it's one of those movies – like you – I've said this many times now – you were very right in that this is a heavy movie to watch and it's a tough movie to watch, especially if you're prone to empathy because like as you're watching him kind of struggle and he has these he has these moments where he's so high because he's so drunk and then he has these just devastating lows. Like yeah. when they're highs, they're way high. And when they're low, it's like orbital strike, like you're in you're below the earth yeah, levels of low. Yeah, what's interesting about this character as well, uh, Benjamin in the film, what you see about this character is there is this charm and compassion to this character. Mm-hmm. Like there is certainly this charisma that's somewhere there and there's moments of it where it comes out. Yeah. Like you see the good guy personality and you get hints of what this man was before he started drinking himself to death. You see that he apparently had this family, that he was happy, that he had a beautiful, that he has a beautiful kid that he's now isn't allowed to see because of the abuse or he doesn't really get to see because mm-hmm. of custody. And we battles. don't really know. We don't know why. We don't yeah. exactly understand. We don't get any impression that it's because of the drinking. Mm-hmm. We get it. We get the impression that the drinking is, is a cause of this divorce. Yeah. But we don't get the impression that he was a terrible alcoholic we don't know we actually really don't know yeah in my interpretation all we have is his is his ramblings and his musings yes in my interpretation i do actually think that like what caused him to go in this down spiral is this divorce and losing the kid that seems to be i'm inclined to agree but again we don't actually know and what i like about that is again you get this empathy for the character the sympathy built up on the end right at that too and you see this Character, again, who has those moments of charisma. Like, you can see deep down why he is a successful screenwriter, why people like him, why the people around him are actually really concerned for him. There's that really devastating scene right before the Leaving Las Vegas title pops up where he gets fired from his job at in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And he understands why he gets fired. He doesn't fight with them. Right. He's just like, okay, like, yeah. of course you have to fire me. And, and like, in I don't fact, blame he, you. And in fact, he was like, this is too generous yeah, he a like, severance. And it's one of those moments where that's a really great line. And we're talking about like really great dialogue in this movie. That's a great one because it's a, such a throwaway line in that scene. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's not the focus of that scene. But it's one of these lines that just lets you get into his headspace. Like yeah. you truly understand that this guy is self-loathing. He hates who he is. He is disgusted in who he has become, but he's just accepting of that. That mm-hmm. line I don't deserve this shows that even he thinks he's like, no, like, don't give this to me. I'm, I'm right. not deserving he, of this. He admits that he's a drunk so yeah. many times. And, but he also at, at the same rate is like, don't tell me to go see a doctor. Don't tell me to get yeah, this. Fix. He just accepts what he is. He's not like one of these characters where it's just like denies his issue. He right. knows he's an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. He knows he has no chance. He which, knows he needs. Something, yeah. And which begs the question, it. is that better or worse than yeah, not knowing? It is because it's an interesting thing, you know, at this he's accepting of it, which is tragic in its own way. Mm-hmm. But it also like he knows how to handle it and he knows what he's going to do with his life. Mm-hmm. It is his sole purpose in his life to kill himself. It is, which is, of course, tragic. But 
it doesn't come as a surprise to him. Right. Like it isn't like this time where he doesn't get help because he doesn't know he needs help. He knows he needs help and just refuses to get it. Mm-hmm. So it gives him almost in some ways it gives him his own he gets to choose his own destiny. Unlike yeah. a lot of alcoholic films where that character dies tragically. Right. This character doesn't actually die tragically because he knows he's going to die. He accepts what his fate mm-hmm. and life is. Like, right. And that's why that's why it's like one of those strange that we'll we'll talk about. We'll switch gears to uh, Pacno soon. Yeah. Um, I'm going to call it that because Port of Call New Orleans is, like I said, a train wreck. Yeah. Um, I, I think one of the reasons that it's some t- at times it's really hard to empathize with him because he recognizes that it's the issue. And I think that's the point of the whole movie. Yeah, the point of the whole movie. Like, you're, you're like kind of sense. not supposed to root for him because you know that there's no there's no way that he's going to come out of it. Yeah, there is. You cannot root for this character, but at the same time, you can't disroot for this Yeah, like, yeah. You know what's going to happen to this character, and you're just along for that story. Exactly. And you're you're a bystander. Yeah, there's nothing you, that you really can do. There's nothing you can do. You just have to watch this guy drink himself mm-hmm. to death. And accept that like the moments of happiness that he finds in the last few weeks of his life, we just have to accept that that's mm-hmm. happiness and that's going to be the happiest that we can get this character. Right. Like And you really like you you really feel sad for Elizabeth Shoe's character, Sarah. Her character and she gets a rough a rough go of it. Nicholas Cage is great in this movie. Yes. She is devastating in this movie. Like yeah. just like her performance is so beautiful and heartfelt. Mm-hmm. And just like these moments that she has with him. As she like at first she's accepting of who Nicholas Cage's character is. Like mm-hmm. she just accepts that this is who this man is. That and she's also drink. accepting of her position too. Yeah, that she's like, I'm just the prostitute for this guy. Like that's just all my role in life is, is mm-hmm. to uh make this guy happy for a few weeks. And then like eventually she starts having this connection with him and she mm-hmm. realizes it's more than that. Like she realizes like, mm-hmm. no, there's this genuine bond and connection between the two of us. And it's like heartbreaking to see her realize that and like, just try to give this character like, come on, like, please don't kill yourself. Like I'm with you. Yeah. the That first moment of like real human moment from Benjamin, uh, Nick Cage's Benjamin, and and also Sarah, to some degree, is when she is when he solicits her for what she does. Yeah. And they go to his, motel, go to his room, hotel room and they start to do a little something. And then he's like, no, wait, I just want to talk. Yeah. Just just talk or stay. He just wants company. Yeah. He's so lonely that he know, he also kind of has this weird thing where he understands that he doesn't want to bring a normal person into his life. Like right. he doesn't want to damage someone who can't handle it. Like he seems to have this self-awareness in himself that uh-huh. like the reason Elizabeth Shue's character is the woman he falls for is because she's gone through hell in her own life. She works this type of profession. She's seen evil and corruption and just disgusting grossness. Yeah. I, so, it's sort like, of it's sort of the the blind man and the lame man yeah. sort of thing where she, they both have their Demons. Um, yeah, they both have their demons. They both have their inability to do certain things. But by being together, they can kind of they're almost codependent, but they also kind of help each other. So it's this weird dynamic. Yeah, they they're in the most shocking way. They're kind of good for each other. Yeah, she balances him out 
And he shows her what love is. Yes. That's like the really interesting thought. And when we talk about demons with these characters, again, you just see it in these portrayals. But why he brings her in specifically is like she can handle it. That's what he seems to know about this character. Like she will be able to handle who I am and just go with it and can give me the love that I need right now. Mm -hmm. Because he's like, I can't go for a woman who wants to take care of me and wants to like redeem me and like. Right. I need to go for a woman who's accepting what I am and will accept me for who I mm-hmm. am. Because he's set in his ways. And she can accept him because she works in this profession yeah. where she sees true cruelty and she sees a man who is lonely but is also in some ways of good heart but uh, but out of – not in sound mind. That's yeah. what that character is. Good but heart, non-sound mind. she sees the heart mind. of this character, mm-hmm. which is really hard for us as an audience because we see that heart of that character – we also get that juxtaposition where we see who this character is in those darker moments. Like we, and I think a lot of this is caused by the alcohol. I don't think it's this deep seated, like hatred he has for women. It's just this inability to con- control who he is. And yeah, anger. He, he literally can't control it. His, yeah. his body requires it. And like the scene I'm talking about uh, specifically, which is a really uncomfortable scene to view. It's when he's at the bar with a woman and he like he's getting sloshed in the bar uh, tenders trying to get cut him off, mm-hmm. and he's like hitting on this woman. He's talking way too much. He has this lack of filter with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Very chauvinistic. Yeah, he's way too pushy and can't understand her body language. Mm-hmm. Like she's trying to like get out of there. Like it's a very uncomfortable scene, and you can clearly see how uncomfortable she is in this moment. But he's so blacked out drunk that he doesn't seem to understand these human yeah, interactions. Yeah, he's, he's like, not in control. Yeah. And so it's these moments like that where you just see the – not cruelness of this character, but you see just like the inability of this character to function. Right. It's those moments it's, where you yeah, just Yeah, it's more like, the cruelness of his substance. Yeah, where it's just like he can't have normal relationships because his mind isn't there. Like it's not one of these things where it's like he is a cruel character, thus the drinking only makes him more cruel. He is probably a fairly good-hearted man hmm. who has nothing to live for and doesn't have any control of himself anymore. Right. That's the thing. This film is very similar to another film we reviewed a few months ago. It's The Fly, where mm. we're watching a man lose control of his body. Right. And like, you almost lose your humanity. Yeah. This is that, that it, same movie. The Fly is a lot more literal yeah. in the sense that he loses his humanity. But that movie humanity. is kind of the same. This movie is kind of the same thing, where we're yeah. seeing a man lose control of his life. Because yeah. by the end, he really – it's not that he doesn't have control of his life. It's that he actually can't function. We're seeing a man lose his function. Like mm-hmm. very similar in films where we're watching a protagonist go through like a really sick illness like cancer or something. And we see them getting smaller, weaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, withering. Withering away, dying in front of our eyes. We're seeing that exact same thing. And mm-hmm. that's really important to see in a movie because it does show you that alcoholism – is more than an addiction. It's an illness. Yeah, And absolutely. that's what this movie really shows well. Like, this is truly an ailment to this character. Mm-hmm. Like, it is killing him. And he can't stop. Like, it is actually physically impossible for him to drink. He right. is he's at this he's point, developed such a strong dependence. Yeah, he is at this point where it's not like something where you can just take the bottle away from him. Mm. He's more machine like, than man. Yeah, it's you can't take that away from him. Because if you take it away from him, he actually like will die. Like his body has now just relied on alcohol mm-hmm. that he doesn't know how to live. The only way he could possibly get through this 
is he needs to be in like psychotic psychic wards where they're monitoring him sobriety tests like constantly like yeah. he cannot be unobserved anymore because it, his body exactly. just needs it otherwise he's a danger yeah to if himself. he doesn't get it and he's just in the normal life like you know when some people try like cut off alcohol in their lives and it's just like oh i'm not going to drink for these next few days in this case it wouldn't work for him like and it's not because he wouldn't maybe not want to in this case he wouldn't but it wouldn't work for him because his body actually just needs it. Like he is so dependent of it that his body needs it right now to survive. The only thing keeping alive is alcohol. All right. Shall we? I, Switch we, to bad Yes. Man. Yeah, we should because we haven't talked about it. Yeah, really we have all. not. We'll, I think I think the best thing to do is talk mostly about Bad Lieutenant and then at the end we'll kind of gather our final thoughts and just yeah, kind I'll of jump, put I'll out some. I'll jump back and forth on leaving Las Vegas, but I've shared a lot of my like, mm-hmm. this film's not actually very long. Yeah, it's so really like, not. We've talked a lot about the big things, so I'll probably – I feel like we've talked a good amount about leaving Las Vegas, so I'll yeah. kind of end with how that film ends and what both of these – how these both these films relate in yeah. similar ways. But Bad Lieutenant's a very more non-straightforward story than leaving Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans, or Pacno, um, it just starts off odd. I, the opening scene, you can tell a lot about a movie from the opening scene – this opening scene feels a little superfluous. Okay. I, I mean, it establishes that that Hurricane Katrina happened, and it shows us this inmate uh, in this jail, and we see, like, this is, this is how um, Nick Cage's character Terrence develops this back injury that leads into him getting addicted to painkillers and, and eventually cocaine. Um he jumps down like a gantry to try and save this inmate in a jail who's trapped by water and he hurts his back. And then we fast forward to six months later and he's been promoted to lieutenant and he is uh, really, really strung out almost constantly. He's like a full on drug addict. Yeah. And a, a great example of of a scene that that displays that is the pharmacy scene. Uh, it's completely chaotic. It's a little scary, uh, but it's got that cage, that cage flare that we that we talked about with Face Off a lot. You know, where it's just like this man is unhinged, but he's supposed to be. But it it it, it it's a weird the lines of like exactly where he's acting, where he's just being this character, and slash where what he's actually doing in these scenes. You don't at times Precisely. actually know what the acting is, or if he's just yelling like a lunatic. <laughs> like that's the thing. Like at times you're just like, what is? You don't understand at times what this performance is, which is why I think the f- performance is actually kind of brilliant. What I love about this character in Bad uh, Lieutenant is he to me. I, and I'm going to compare this to a show that I just recently watched on mm-hmm. Amazon, which is The Boys. Mm-hmm. And The Boys has this character, Homelander, who's the Superman-type villain. Mm-hmm. He's Superman, but he has this facade where he's keeping the facade of Superman. Mm-hmm. But he's really this just crazy, egotistical murderer. Right. Like, what I love about that character in The Boys and how I think it relates to Nick Cage in this movie is in The Boys, you never know when this character is about to snap. In any moment, you just – you're cringe when he's on screen because you know he, he, he always feels easily, like he's acting right like he, he could feels easily like he could kill literally someone just kill the whole room without like a second thought 
It's kind of similar with this character. Whenever he does any action in this film, you never know the next step that character is going to take. So every time he's in a room with people or specifically with very innocent people, you never know what's going to happen because you don't know what this character is, what, where his morale is, where his line is drawn. Mm -hmm. So every time he's on screen, you're cringing because you just don't know what he's about to do. And it's scary. Like, it's a legitimately scary performance because this character is so strung out. That's why I say these eccentricities of this character and this, I don't know what he's doing in the performance at many times, like why he's going this crazy or why he's just like chattering or smacking his look like, <laughs> like yeah. at times he just kind of develops. Yeah, this, like, he, he, wow. um, yeah, he's almost foaming at the mouth. Yeah, like he's literally like a rock wild. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> like at times he's doing that and you're like, why? But if, because it makes you so uneasy. Right. Like that's why that works. And talking about that introduction, why I love this introduction is you get another great juxtaposition to what he's doing in leaving Las Vegas. Leaving Las Vegas, you feel like he is this good character mm-hmm. down uh, in his core. He is this truly probably good person uh-huh. that's just suffering through this illness. In this, we get the same feeling that this guy wasn't necessarily using as hard as he was mm-hmm. until after his back in- injury and he goes on Vicodin. But he's not a good person. Yes. Like, it, that's the shift you see. This guy, the way he acts in Port of Call, New Orleans, that's <laughs> how he would act when he's strung out, I mean, when he's all strung yeah. out and crazy. That is who he would act in the beginning of the film. That right. is it that is, is truly his character. And the drugs are just allowing him to be that. It, he has just no restraint. Yeah, it's just heightened. But like leaving Las Vegas is very different where it's not this character and it's the uh, – alcohol that's making him act this right way. the alcohol has almost kind of become yeah. his character yeah. in, in this leaving movie, las vegas the drugs are just revealing who this terrible person is because in no sense right. is this it's character an amp- a good it's an amplifier character. while he does save the man at the very beginning there's you don't actually believe he cares about this man because he's betting on this guy's life he's like oh let's see how long he can drown yeah and here's the here's the main thing for me that that really frustrated me about this movie that made it an ordeal to watch um, so this entire movie, he is a, he's probably the worst homicide detective ever, uh, because he spends, he probably spends more time canoodling his way into getting more drugs than he does. That's the really interesting thing about this movie, right? We don't actually really see him solving no, anything. This not is at all. a movie that that is, while it's at the forefront, like this whole story is him chasing down these killers. Mm hmm. That's very much the sideline of the story. This film yeah, is like that's not the point. An hour him. and a half of this film is really just him like trying to get different ways or dealing with debts or trying to get his way corrupt. Right. All. And he says at one point, like he never cared about the murder. He has gone from hunting down the prime suspect, which is Exhibit's character. Yeah. To uh, who I actually really enjoy. Exhibit's. He's good in this movie. He's he's very, very chill, uh, but you can tell that he can always snap. Yeah. And he never fully does. I don't know. I, he, he, he's, he's a very really calm, terrifying presence. He's really good. He he gave me the same sort of vibe as Jordan Peter or Jordan Peterson. Um, Michael sure? B. Jordan in uh, uh, yeah, as Killmonger in Black Panther. You know what he reminded me of? <laughs> Jordan Peterson. That's the ethics yeah. professor. You know what remind who he reminded me of in this film kind of a bit? It's that Gus character from Breaking Bad. Mm. By John, really any character that John Carlo Esposito has played in yeah. the past few roles, like in Mandalorian as well. Yeah, he's just this calm and collected guy 
who is always kind of in control of the situation, it mm-hmm. feels like. But you always know there's this dark, evil side that could show right. itself can, in any yeah, second. Yeah, his ruthlessness is like, it's all right, this is when I'm breaking out the ruthlessness when I absolutely need it. And what's so brilliant about it, though, is while this character is ruthless and you see all those things, you almost forget about it because he's going up against someone who's even more ruthless and crazy and is full on. And is supposed to be it. the good guy. Yeah. So you don't necessarily sympathize for X. What's his name? Exhibit. Exhibit's character. But he's, you the pimp, like, he's the pimp my ride guy. Yeah. You don't you don't root for him by any means. But he's not the scariest person on screen because the oh, hero is not. the scariest because yeah. you just don't know what this guy is going to do at any second. Mm-hmm. I have there's a great example of that, which I'll get to in a moment. Yeah. But throughout this entire film, he's gone from uh, Terrence, our main character, Nicolas Cage's character, has gone from um, I don't think he gives a bad performance by any means. It's just the character is so awful he goes through this entire movie and he just continues to get worse. There are, as it goes on, there are fewer and fewer scenes of him actually being a cop. Yeah. And I think one of the last scenes of him actually being a cop is one of my favorites cinematically. It's where he's going through the tenements looking for one of Exhibit's henchmen. And it's a long shot that's really good. It, it's very cinematic. It's very filmic. It kind of follows him and the camera's kind of moving around as he's looking at different places. Yeah, yeah. Cool shot. But that's the last time that he's really a cop until yeah. the end. That's the that's what I think this movie actually does a really good job of underlying. It's the reason this guy gets to do what he does in the police force and in New Orleans is because he actually is really good at his job. Yes. That's the that's the most frustrating thing about this oh, character. absolutely. It's that like at the end, you're just like, God, he's so damn good at his job that it's like hard to not have him on the show. Right. So it's just like, he catches this guy and he does it perfectly. And he like, that's why this film is so But it's done, it's like, done so, it's done in such a chaotic, lawful way. Actually, No. I wouldn't even say it's chaotic no, lawful. It's not chaotic lawful at all. It's chaotic lawfulness. Yeah. Doesn't well, he like plant drugs on the guy? It's almost like it's almost chaotic neutral. I don't. I don't know how to. Dis- it might be more chaotic neutral. He's 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 not it's, a good guy. It's, <laughs> he's not a good guy. We're going into like D and D alignment charts. Yeah, but it's he, not that kind of podcast. He gets this guy. He like right. gets this guy who's very dangerous. Is very evil. But the way that he does it is so not by the books. It's so uh, let's yeah. Let's kind of list out. Let's kind of list out some of the things that he does that are crappy. Random shakedown scene where he's trying to get drugs from people, yeah. uh, and it turns into the the girlfriend of this couple trying to just get this guy off their off their butts. So he takes their drugs. She starts engaging in an act with Nicolas Cage's okay, character. Is, isn't she a prostitute? I don't think so. I thought it was implied that she's a prostitute. No, it's I think it's the dude's girlfriend. Oh, okay. And he makes and he makes, he makes the dude watch. watch. Yeah. The whole thing. That's, That's okay. terrible and that wasn't even related to yeah. he just it wanted that to get drugs. Way if he was a pros- if she was a prostitute, I just for whatever reason thought that was implying yeah. that scene she's a prostitute. He just wanted to get drugs from them. Um What's another great uh, grandma scene? Oh, my goodness. I yeah, I (laughs) the note that I wrote for that. So there's a character witness that they're trying to get and the character witnesses or the the witnesses. Let me let me. Yeah, let me. Yeah, let me compose myself here. 
a kid was a witness to these murders that he's investigating. Yeah. He want he wants them to testify. Uh, this witness is 15 years old and his grandma doesn't want him to testify. Yeah, and she's a caretaker for this older woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, at a, at a nursing home. So we see them quite a few times discussing with Terrence yeah. what to do and he gets more and more livid each time. Yes. And in this scene, the note that I wrote was, who wrote this? Who made Terrence remove breathing tubes from an old woman with one hand and pull a gun on a separate old woman with the other hand at yeah. the same time? It trying to get information on where this witness is. Mm. He pulled out breathing tubes mm. for an old lady and then you know and then proceeds to curse them out. You know what's the most shocking scene about that? It's the ease of which he does that action. Absolutely. This isn't like a hesitation for him or he kind of feels bad, which that's scary because you realize this, while he might have not done this exact scenario, he's done this type of intimidation and threats before to people. Yeah, So this absolutely. isn't like something new to him. He just does it with such an ease and knows how mm -hmm. to do it. And it's even worse because... He at the beginning of the movie, at the beginning of the movie, he tells another detective not to do that in not to do something way less egregious than that in a in an actual interrogation. Yeah, because that's the that's this element where he's this really good character. Uh, he can read characters really well. Yeah. So he knows, like with this kid that you're talking about, with this one police officer. Uh, that this guy's about to be busted for marijuana and Nicolas Cage is like, go easy on him. He knows in that case, this is how he's going to get the information he needs. Mm -hmm. The reason he does everything is through manipulation. Yeah. Because oh, he understands absolutely. like- He's so co coercive. Yeah. In this scene, he understands that this guy, he's like, no, we don't have to threaten him all this stuff. We can be cool, calm and chill with him. We don't need to scare him right. to get the information we want. With this older lady, he understands that like, I have to threaten her to get what I want. Mm -hmm. so that's what he, he's not- Always this character. He yeah, can turn the, on when he needs to turn off. Quote, and he can be chill when he needs to be the chill. The quote that he says right before he pulls her breathing tube out and pulls a gun on the other old lady is, uh, me being courteous is getting in the way of me being effective. Yeah. Which is, like, very chilling. It almost sounds robotic. Like, yeah. like that's what a computer would assume is, like, the most quick way to interrogate someone. That's what it is. He just understands like what he needs to do to get what he needs done. Right. That's the thing about this character. And he's he on a sole mission mm -hmm. to get high in this film. Yeah. And he never gets reprimanded. In fact, he gets re rewarded that's and promoted. But that's the point of the movie, I feel like. like it I is. Know you and, might like, and it should be frustrating. And it, it is. It should be frustrating. It, it very much is because you see this corruption. It's but never earned. Where you were having the problem with this film that what you were saying in your film, uh, Hill to Die On, mm -hmm. that's, those are the reasons I like this movie. Because it is so frustrating to watch. It is so hard to watch. It is so disgusting. Because mm -hmm. why I think this film... No one's the hero. No one's the hero. And why I think this film is even more important than when it comes out in 2007 is we're understanding the flaws in policing. And that... Let me just say this real quick. This isn't like some political statement like all police are bad people or like all this stuff or they all hate black people. That's not what I'm saying by yeah, any means. There's yeah, there's but, no way that you could that you could make or that I could personally or you yes, could make a We have friends who are in the police department. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we have friends, family, all that stuff. That's not the statement we are making. But what this movie does really well is it shows inherent flaws that are built in mm -hmm. to a system. And that again is not speaking ill of 
the cops and the police who put their lives on the bo- uh, line every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does speak ill of the institution at times and how it can protect people like Nicolas Cage's character. Right. That's what this film is a critique. Mm-hmm. I would really honestly say if you uh, see this film and you think this is an issue on policing and it's just an insult to police officers – I think that you have the problem, honestly, yeah. because you should not be rooting for this character. No, not to at all. Go th- and be allowed to do what he's allowed, because mm-hmm. there are the scary thing is, is Werner Herzog, uh, when Harvey Keitel did this, they did research in like police sanctions and there's mm-hmm. characters like these in real life. Oh, yeah. This should be a critique on those types of people. And that's what it is. It is not a critique on police officers in general it is a critique on the uh policies in place that rewards characters like Nicolas Cage's character. Yes. And if we're in support of police, we need to be in non-support of Nicolas Cage's character because yes. he gives police a bad name. Exactly. And I will I will slightly argue with you on that point and here's my counterpoint okay. for you. Uh the final scene, it's a, it's a year after the main story is kind of concluded. Mm-hmm. Uh Terrence has been promoted to captain. He is staying in a hotel room. And the, uh, I don't know, bus, not bus boy, that's restaurants. I get bellhop, uh, janitor, something comes into his hotel room. Yeah, a maintenance guy. And it happens to be the prisoner that that he he, saved at the beginning. But he was like betting on his life. Right. And the, the way that that whole film, that whole part is framed, I mean, it's such a chance encounter I, that could only happen in movies. Uh, so I'll kind of let that slide. But he's like, you you saved my life, uh, officer. Like, you saved my life that day. Mm-hmm. And it kind of paints him as a hero. And he doesn't really, Terrence doesn't really say anything like, oh, I'm not a hero. He's just kind of like, uh, yeah. He's, he's, indif- he's kind of, yeah, he's indifferent about it. So Because like, this guy's life doesn't matter to him. Right, exactly. Which is even like... Honestly, he saves the guy. You feel like he saves the guy in the beginning, not because he actually has any human connection towards Uh this person or any form of empathy. Because he was in a mood to. He was in a mood to, and he probably realizes the amount of paperwork that would have to go on to let this guy kind of die. He like understands that like at this point. Very cold. We talk about corruption as well and like this cold calculating in this character. He also probably realizes at this moment saving his life is going to make him look good and get away with more crap. Right. It's like this trade off where, oh, but like I get I look noble. Thus, I get to be treated differently. Mm-hmm. Like he does stuff like that. And like it's never said why he saves his character. But you can infer based on who this character is that he's probably doing it for motivations of some sort. Yeah. Absolutely. All of those reasons and probably more. Absolutely. All right, I think I think we've covered the the meat of both of these movies. Do you want to just kind of share some final thoughts? Maybe some little yeah. There's a little bit more I want to go into. Bad Lieutenant. Some little goofs for I. Again, we talk about this unhinged Cage performance, and what I like about this film in particular uh, is this kind of like grit we get to this film. Like, mm-hmm. there's a there's kind of this trope in 1970s films where it's like city's dirty, the cops are all this right. way, like. They're all this, but they still have this kind of noble it's very noir. Dirty Harry yeah. kind of is that example where the city's very grimy. He's doing kind of corrupt things yeah. to get his way. But at the end of the day, he's still this noble character because he is doing he is doing the unethical 
for ethical reasons, I guess, is how to describe right. dirty. It, yeah, it's ends to a mean. Yeah, where it's just like, okay, we need people. The greater good. The Clint Eastwood, quote, sorry, quote unquote, Clint Eastwood, like, says, like, we need characters like this is almost the point of Dirty Harry. Like, you need uh-huh. those detectives willing to take those chances uh-huh. and risk and, like, kind of be this fly cannon. Mm-hmm. In this film, you kind of see that juxtaposition where it's like, no, when you let someone have this type of power, like, Right. This is what's going to you give If you give a person like that an inch, they will take a yeah, mile. Because this is almost in times a critique on those types of characters. Like if you oh, look at absolutely. like who Dirty Harry is versus who uh, Nicolas Cage's character in it, they actually have very similar personalities. Now, absolutely. True, Nick, uh, they've got the they both have the kill lines. Yeah, they both have those lines. They both have their what they follow. Now, true. Dirty Harry is presented as a much more noble character and he doesn't seem to be drinking. No, he drinks in the film, but he's not like an alcoholic. He's not a right. drug addict. But he definitely has these shoot first, ask questions later mentality or threaten people to get his way or even just like intimidate force. He he's called Dirty Harry for a reason. He's peeping on women mm-hmm. in the movie, it's like just pretty terrible stuff. But again, it's that ends to a meme where we kind of accept and we have to accept in this film. We see the exact opposite of like this, where it's just like, no, these portrayals of the cops that we see. This is the real life version. If there was a real life Dirty Harry. He's not like the character we see in Dirty Harry. He's much closer to this Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Yeah. It's not all it's not all gold. Yeah. This is a character who is truly corrupt and disgusting and is allowed to exist because of the he knows how to work the system to his benefit. Mm -hmm. Like he really does. That's like that's why we see him promoted. And it's very much a critique on like like I've already talked about just protecting uh, officers who do this. And again, it's hard not to get political with this film just because of what we've seen some officers. And I mean, luckily we saw an officer last year who shot. Yeah. Uh, my gosh, I'm blanking on it. It's George Floyd. Not shot. Killed. Uh, yeah. Killed. Sorry, not killed. He didn't shoot. He The, the neck. He yes. was kneeling on him for eight and a half minutes and killed George Floyd. There's been too many cases of that recently. Mm-hmm. And you're now starting to see some of that change where you see this guy actually get a arrest and conviction mm-hmm. he, he actually gets his come up he, he gets there's his come up there's like the not satisfying end to the story because the whole story is just like a crap it's, it's terrible a crap heap it's like it's terrible and terrible and terrible and then mm-hmm. this film this kind of points to like this is like the culture that at some places exists and again i'm not saying this is anything as a disregard for the police it is just acknowledging that like there are bad apples in the system mm-hmm. and those bad apples make everyone look worse. The bad apple ruins the, what is that? The uh, whole bunch. The whole bunch. Yeah. That's what Nicolas Cage is. He's truly this bad yeah, apple. He's taints, this terrible, it taints the name. person. He's cruel in so many scenes. There are mm-hmm. so many scenes like he is a villain foremost in this film and it's really hard and uncomfortable to deal with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like I said, the reason you dislike this film in many ways is kind of the reason I like this film because it's willing mm-hmm. to show who this character is, what he's willing to go for. And it it makes this statement like, how is this person allowed to exist? One, like how is this guy legally allowed to carry a gun? Right. It's like shocking enough. I think we have I think we have the same takeaway where we have it's the like same, it's like, frustrating, but we we're reacting to it. In, yeah, you're like, reacting to I, it in a it negative makes me, way. It makes me not like the movie. You, so would you say you dislike the movie because of how well it's done? 
But when yeah, you, when I you suppose, talk about your I issues with so. this film, are you saying more as an issues of the film as a whole, or are you talking more just like this is just too much for me to deal with? Um, I like, th- do you I think, think more so like, like that. the screenplay's written poorly? Um, I, there there are certain elements of it that just technically I did not vibe with like on it like on a technical level there's like scenes with the iguana where he's just like staring down the iguana which yeah, is just like I, there, it's sometimes too trippy right there and there's so much um i feel like there's so much filler like if, there is a lot if, it's a long movie it's two hours yeah and it's like feels like it could have been cut yeah, down exactly there's there's too much fat if the fat was trimmed and there were i don't i feel like there were just some weird weird choices made there, and there like definitely are i and, don't and of course you always want like i want a satisfying story if a hero is like that i want them to be redeemed so i can root for them and it's like you never do root for it so you don't get like you don't get that satisfaction but you are also not you're probably not supposed to that's the point you're not yeah. supposed to be happy of this character yeah like, so i yeah so I've, i'm putting that weird like it's it's kind it of that, did its like, job right. It does its job right, but it's kind of just disgusting and hard to watch. Yeah, like, is how I kind of describe it. Mm. What I we this is I think this is one where we can definitely agree to disagree on. Yeah, where it's just like how this film reminds me of. It's it's like a. Do we talk about this film? Oh my gosh, why am I blanking on? It? I just had it in my mind. Oh, Wolf of Wall Street. Leonardo mm. DiCaprio's character in Wolf of Wall Street. We're seeing this character do irreparable mansible like just damage yeah to like not only himself his family his co-workers but i mean just to the usa and world in general like he right. bankrupts innocent people mm-hmm. just drives them to the ground and by the end of that film he gets arrested he gets his comeuppance but it's so unsatisfying because mm-hmm. it's like it's a commentary about how unsatisfying that should be that this character gets such a light sentence and goes right. to this it's Arizona. N- like, yeah, you're not like, yes, you're just like, like oh, I just, mean, I guess. It's because it's real. That's like, right. that's the hard thing. It's that hard thing where movies sometimes have that thing where it's like, it's a movie, so movies are in many ways escapism. Yeah. But in this case, it's like, no, this is real. Right. And that's like the sucky thing you're watching and just like, that's why like I don't like, remind I don't want to be reminded of the world outside. I'm exactly. trying to avoid just, that for a second. That's the hard thing about this movie. You're watching it, you're just like, ah, I just like I feel disgusting. I would say for both of these movies. For both for Leaving both Las Vegas and sure. and Bad Lieutenant Oh my gosh. Someone just lit off a fire. Was that a firework? That was definitely a okay. firework. Jeez, that could be I, <laughs> That's kind of a good point because I looked at the time, so I know I'm going to start wrapping this up. Yeah, there we up. go. But what I, my last, some of my critiques on Port of New Orleans it's called, yes. called, whatever it's called. Port, Port Nord, Cord, Nord, Nord, I don't like Lieutenant. the story with his parents. Oh, it's, I, it's just in there and it doesn't really too many, add anything. Too many threads. There's just, it doesn't. The whole relationship with Eva Mendes, she's good in the movie, but it's not really developed in any sort of way that's mm-hmm. meaningful. Uh, yet another thread. And like the the scene where they're in the shed would have been a lot more of a heartwarming scene. And I think it was trying to be that, but it would have been so much better if Terrence weren't such a crap character. Yeah. And you hadn't seen him being so terrible it's like yeah this is a nice moment but i know that this is just a front and this is not what he normally is that's the thing about this character he's so psychotic that nothing you do nothing he does is believable right like the best way i would describe he literally it, says at one point that yeah. he didn't care about the murders and yeah. he was just using it as a means to get drugs yeah this is how do i describe this this is an actor 
this character, Terrence, is -hmm. very much an actor Mm -hmm. who is actually a fairly bad actor. No one buys this facade that he's putting up, that Mm -hmm. he says this is the type of person he is. Yeah. But everyone's so scared of him Mm -hmm. that they kind of just like accept who he is. And you know a character's scary when Michael Shannon's in the film as one of the police officers and Shannon scared out the mind of Cage's character. Yeah. Which... Shannon is one of the scariest actors in any film you see him. The guy's just so unsettling mm-hmm. and everything. And he kind of brings that same char- charisma into Michael this Shannon film. was... He's that cop who, like, doesn't want to uh, basically steal stuff for Cage's character. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. He, like, he's like, no, the, I'm like, done. The supply room guy. Yeah, he's like, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to do this anymore. He has... He's Shannon in it, so he has that intimidation. But when he's next to Cage, it's just like Shannon shrinks. And it's yeah. a hard thing for an actor like Shannon... To shrink. This is one of those things that I love about this movie is there's a bunch of either no name actors or actors who quite haven't hit their like peak. Their peak, yeah. Yeah, like they're kind of like coming in like Shannon's one of these great examples of those characters. They're all great supporting characters that make this world feel more real. Like you talk about how important supporting characters like those actors who you don't recognize or you recognize but you don't know their names, Mm -hmm. but how much of a character actor they are. This film is filled with those actors. Like the one that's really great is the female police officer mm-hmm. who uh, uh, is dealing with the highway stuff. And she yeah, gives him she's the also a supply she's, like, room. Seducing. I can't him. remember then, what like, her name is. Yeah, I don't remember. She's her name a very is. minor character. She's a very minor character, but again, you just kind of she's there, and you kind of feel at times she's trying to control. Another. You, you feel like at times she's trying to control. Another firework. <laughs> and, but then and you realize, again. yeah, how she's not. Like yeah. how she doesn't have nobody yeah, has, she has control no in control. this situation. He's in full control, and that's the scariest thing mm-hmm. about this character. That's kind of my thoughts. He just disregards their attempts. Yeah, that's my thoughts on Port. So I think we can close that up, and mm-hmm. let's just kind of put a button real quick to leaving Las Vegas and kind of share our final thoughts. Yeah. Um, I leaving Las Vegas. I I would say that I enjoyed the the cinematic experience more, but. It's a tough film. These are because two it's films so real. I don't feel like I ever want to really revisit. Yeah. I've seen Bad yeah. Lieutenant once before this. I've never seen Leaving Las Vegas. And honestly, I could go probably the rest of my life without needing to see this film. Uh-huh. It's, it's a one, hard yeah. film for me to watch because I can acknowledge how well made it is. Mm-hmm. Even if I don't like a lot of the choices, even if I think the story is a little slow at times, even mm-hmm. like I said, if I feel a lot of those things where it's just like this movie isn't necessarily enjoyable for any means for me and i don't even think it's that like amazing of this film it's a very basic mm-hmm. film about a guy drinking himself to death but the performances right. are so special in this film yeah that's like it's just such a, it's such a microcosm it. little story it, yeah and that's what it is it's just this blip of a man's life as it ends and yeah. I, again i talked about some scenes uh where he's just so good in it and one of them is just like you really get to see what a functioning alcoholic looks like because in every means, this character is functional for the until the end. Like when he yeah. gets to Vegas and he's drinking himself the first two weeks, he's kind of in control of everything. Like he can have normal mm-hmm. conversations, all this. It's as it goes. Normal-ish. Normal. <laughs> yeah. As normal as this type of character can have in these circumstances. Right. Like he can function. He can. He realizes stuff. He can communicate mm-hmm. with people. All that stuff. And it's people definitely goes, give him weird looks, but yeah. he's not like totally shut down he's yet. so disconnected from his feelings like you can see that when he's just drinking and driving it doesn't seem to affect him like mm-hmm. he stares down a cop for yeah. 15 seconds and then as soon as the cop passes he's like all right back to the vodka yeah he's at this point in his life he's no longer drinking to remove a feeling of sorrow pain 
Right. He's now drinking because it's a state of being for him. Yeah. Like it's to him, alcohol is now water. To yeah, to drink is to be. Yeah. That's just his wow. existence. And it's again, and, it's these acceptance of these characters. Mm-hmm. And I, the the film, from a technical standpoint, follows that sort of idea where it's it's got that '90s slow mo that we always talk about. But with this, it, I this is one of those examples where it really works for me because it fits with the flashy, sporadic, confusing, um, you know, sort of sort of idea. That comes with being drunk all the time. This it is fits. it thematically. It it works, and I like agree. all the lights and stuff from Vegas makes sense. I as agree well. thematically that it makes sense. To me, it's a little pretentious and overlong. Yeah. It's just like in this film, and I'm just like, all right, you're trying to make it look artsy, where some of the effect is lost for me. But I understand the intent, even if I didn't agree with how it's executed. I'll give you the lights. The lights in this film, the lighting in this film is just the lighting is, beautiful. is really like, cool. Because you get a lot of just hues on their faces or blues and purples. Mm-hmm. With her, it's a lot of red because she's obviously in the red district. Yeah, for Lady of the Night. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then during the intimate moments, the lighting is crisp with sharp shadows. Yeah. There's no... There's not a lot of flashing. There's not like the Las Vegas showgals sort of flashiness. No, there's it's very this, calm orange to this yeah. character of Elizabeth Shue, which is a very different way to uh, portray a prostitute. Yeah, in this film. And again, I've talked to Nicolas Cage is brilliant in this film. Mm-hmm. She is just something else in this film. Like mm-hmm. she breaks your heart almost every second she's on screen. Because, oh, absolutely. Like, you. You feel so bad for her, but she knows like this is the only life she can live. Like mm-hmm. for whatever reason, this is like all she is able to do, and she can't escape it. And we don't exactly right. know what even the even when are. she's her own boss. Yeah, that's all she can. But do. like, you know, there's circumstances. You know, there's some form of abuse, whether it's parental, growing up, uh, obviously sexual abuse, physical abuse from the customers and from her. Uh, from her bosses all that you just know this character is so damaged but like the fact that like she almost she takes pleasure in being with men in some ways because she gets to control the situation Mm -hmm. and it's she can make people happy right like she almost seems to like prostitution is a means for her to Mm -hmm. like see the joy in people like it's her only way to get it because her life's so crappy. Yeah. That like and, in and these moments only, she gets to be intimate with someone. And it's only when she meets Benjamin where she actually gets that reciprocated to her. Yeah. She's not just an object anymore. Yeah. Before she's just an object and she can take pleasure in being an object mm-hmm. because she knows that for these few moments that it can mm-hmm. bring like this guy, this, this is my sexual place. Yeah. Object, uh, sexual uh, release. release. But it's when she meets Nicolas Cage who reciprocates it where she's like, Oh, this love that I'm giving that these people that I'm giving obviously for money, but they're not reciprocating it for me because most of the time they're either drunk, cheating or like they're just for Vegas to just do this. Right. This or they're is college like, students. Yeah. They're, they're idiot college that's students. A rough, that's a that's really a rough, scene. rough scene where she gets just abused, living crap out of by yeah. the college students. But with this character of Nicolas Cage's, you see that exactly you see those feelings reciprocated and you understand why she falls in love for this character mm-hmm. and their relationship again in the most hard way is so beautiful because these two characters are who they are mm-hmm. and it's it, just this like, is going to sound lame uh and corny but it's almost romeo and juliet ish it and i i hate saying that no, but it, it is, kind though. of is it is like this 
Well, that's such a ta- that's such a tacky thing to say. It is such a tacky thing, but you also know, like, if these characters weren't in their state of being, mm-hmm. and they actually just met when both of them, I guess, were innocents, when like right. before what the trauma that happens to both of these happened mm-hmm. to these characters, it wouldn't would, have worked. No, you actually, I actually disagree. I feel like it would work. Oh, I feel like these characters just have this natural, like, cause cosmic relationship hmm. that they have, like, this intimacy. That's like really hard to replicate. Hmm. What allows these characters to work at the end is because they have these this deep understanding that goes past like he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't look like she she he doesn't look at her like she's an alcoholic or sorry that she's a prostitute. Mm -hmm. And in turn, she doesn't look at him like he's an alcoholic. They Mm -hmm. see the human side of that. That's why I think their relationship is like true because you get they see actually who they right, are not see what past they are the, at this moment okay yeah okay that's a good point but anyway again elizabeth shoe is just wonderful in this movie i mm-hmm. as nicholas cage i think probably rightfully deserved the oscar i don't know who else was nominated that year i know apollo 13 tom hanks is and i want to say sean penn is for dead man walking as well with a few others in there but he truly the deserved man. yeah he truly deserved this award and i do actually think it's criminal that elizabeth shoe doesn't win this yeah, award because she is on it. so beautiful. And just to wrap this talk up, the last scene in this movie where they make love for the first time and he dies like mm-hmm. after that, it's again like one of these moments where it's just like it's beautiful because you now know at least he went out happy. Right. And that's the most you could ask for this character. Like you mm-hmm. know there's no other form of redemption. You know he's not going to find right. any he's other set, piece. He's set but at his least ways. in this last moment – he can have something that was real. Yeah, just that a was glimpse of, of euphoria. Yeah. It's just this moment of happiness. And then he like, and then he gets to pass. Mm-hmm. He, like, it's almost like this moment where it's like, all right, like this is the happiest I can ever be. Mm-hmm. This is my peak. Let's end this now. And he just like, just drifts off into the night. Yeah. And it's this heartbreaking scene. It's heartbreaking to watch Elizabeth Shue's reaction. Definitely. And she's like, she realizes he can't save her. Or she can't save him, so she just has to accept it and, like, has to accept that she knows, like, he's gone. Mm-hmm. And it's this really heartbreaking scene. And it's a hard watch. It, these Both of these movies are hard watches. Yeah, difficult Leaving to watch. Leaving Las Vegas is more definitely, hard. Definitely more emotionally. It's it more beautiful and probably more impactful. But both of these movies have a lot of those same themes. And that's why we talked about them mm-hmm. today. And I'm really glad we don't have to do a... Uh, a great, great debate, debate on yeah. these movies because another fun week here on the Ben and Brancia movie podcast. Yeah, another. Yeah, that, this one's a, a really depressing weekend. Yeah, we had be the had, most depressing for Nick Cage's filmography. Yeah, that we have to do the other three weeks that we have. None of those movies go anywhere as deep. Yeah, next, that's why I knew next when, week is going to be an absolute romp. Yeah, it's, that's <laughs> why the last week when I texted you, I'm just like, get ready because these two <laughs> films are probably the heaviest we're going to be watching by far. Yeah. But we don't have to do the great debate because we're getting ready for Cage Off later in the end. So, again, that's going to be at the end of the month. We're so excited for that. Next week, can I tease it, Branson? Yeah, go ahead. Next week, we are doing two movies again. And we're not going to say titles. They both have Nick Cage in it. They both have Nick Cage in it. And they're both supernatural beasts, I guess you could say. They are both possessed by supernatural forces that transforms them i guess is probably the best way to describe it yeah so one's from the mid 2000s the other one is from the late 80s and they both star nick cage they're both very over the top uh and they're both beloved for different reasons one of them's (laughs) like i love one of the films i've never seen the other one but like 
it's gonna be a fun week because these films are odd yes and and they are not nearly as heavy they're I, not nearly as heavy we'll We're feel gonna, less bad making fun one of, of them's them. i think more of a dark comedy the other one's a full-on action film let's go so let's do it so rage cage rage cage and join us next week guys have a good day take bye care bye, bye.